0: God is so good, have you been making room for him? Have you been making room? It's just, like I said, it's the smallest move toward him and he moves so swiftly toward us. You know why? Because love will cross the distance. Love will make a way. Love will clear a path and it will knock everything out of the way to get to you. That's the love that he has for us and it is my prayer that that would be the love that we have for him because when you get there, talk about having capacity, talk about having space. When you allow God to clear the room, He knows how to make room, amen, amen. So we're gonna get into another week of making room and we're gonna stand up and we're going to share one scripture and I'm not gonna you know, tax you guys like the former teachers did. (laughs) We're gonna start with Jesus wept and leave it alone. (laughs) Okay, five verses if you will stay, uh, stay with me, okay. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and makes among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you are not taught the way to that you have tested those who claim to You have persevered. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the clarity that it brings and the truth that it brings, Lord. I'm just so grateful that we're not dependent upon ourselves for our um, deliverance not dependent upon ourselves, Father, for all of the miraculous things that you do. Father, I'm asking the Holy Spirit would just fill this space, Father, that you would translate all of this, Lord, and make it um, have impact on each person in the way that you would have it, Father. Thank you for your truth that sets us free. I pray they forget my stuff and remember yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I have been uh, so disobedient. (laughs) It's not funny. Um, Pastor Kevin, from the very beginning, basically told us, he said, we're going to talk about capacity and making room, but I don't want you focused on how to do that. I don't want you focused on, you know, i got to get rid of this or i got to get rid of that. I, he was specific about that. So I started worrying about what I needed to get rid of and uh, what I needed to get off of my plate and everything. And I, was, I had this day where I was like, okay, Lord, I really want to have room. Like I said, I really love those Thursdays, just sitting in his presence. And I thought, Lord, I want more of that. And how do I do that? How do I? How? how? And I just heard him whisper in my spirit, you're asking the wrong question. It isn't how do I do that? It's why should I do that? See, because we, the how, that's just logistics and administration, We can figure out a how, but unless our why changes, the how is not sustainable. Because we are people who go back to old habits so quickly, unless it's replaced by something, unless something else happens in us that causes us not to run back and fill our plate again, not to run back and do this. And uh, so the Lord just began to go ask a different question, ask me why I should do this. And uh, that's the motivator. Your motivator will always be your why. My mom used to say, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go really southern when I talk about my mama. Well, my mama used to say, (laughs) she would say, you know what, Barbie, ain't nobody going to move as long as they're comfortable. Ain't nobody going to move until they get uncomfortable. And sometimes the only thing that will make somebody uncomfortable is need You can sit there for a long time. Don't you know that the enemy loves inertia? He loves for us to to not move forward. He loves to just keep us where we are and not to grow. But we don't move unless we get uncomfortable. And unfortunately, we have all become pretty comfortable with what's on our plate. Uh, We might be running like crazy. We might be totally bombarded and our lives may be chaotic, but it's what we're used to. And so we've convinced ourselves that it works for us, you know, When really it's not working for us. But there's got to be a greater motivator in order for us to truly make room. The why has got to change. Um, And so the Lord just dropped in my spirit this particular uh, quote I've been dealing with for several years now. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Um, And it is a quote by John Piper, if you would put that up there. Eventually. Eventually. It says, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Did that hurt anybody besides me? You have nibbled so long at the table of the world that your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. That convicted me and I'm a strong believer in sharing conviction with you. (laughs) So that prompted me to go, okay, Lord, making room for the great. What what is that? What does that look like? What define the great for me? And he immediately took me to 1 Corinthians 13, verse verse 13. And it says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And I believe what has happened over a, a long period of time is that we have become distracted in our lives so full of stuff of the small things that we haven 't got enough capacity and enough room for this great love that changes everything, changes everything that great love. I was watching something the other day, and it just it was a perfect example to me of, of, of kind of where we are, or I say we. <laughs> I mean you, no, I'm not really mean, (laughs) I mean we, I was watching and there was a documentary and it was a group that was going to follow a group of children from first grade, or sorry, from kindergarten through 12th grade, and so this first episode was about the kids entering kindergarten, and so um, I may need an assistant for this, but, You walked into the room with all these kids, and you could tell that they had prepped for cameras because this was no ordinary kindergarten class. I mean, everything was painted and beautiful and bright. It had the the biggest toys, the nicest stuff. It was like walking into FAO Schwartz, and I don't think kindergarten teachers can afford that these days, but that needs to change. Um, And so they walk in, and they're following this group of kids, and all the kids' eyes are wide open. Katie? Katie? Can I have you for a second? Or I can come here. Katie. Uh, 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 I'm going to be the kid and you be the mom. We're going to reverse roles, okay? <laughs> never You're never sitting on the front row again, okay? Uh, it would just have taken you longer to come from the back. <laughs> So the camera is on, these kids coming in, and you're the mom, and there's this one little boy, and he is like, he is holding on to his mama like that, everywhere she went, he was like marking step with her, there were a couple, of, I mean, all he wanted was her, he would hold on, he would stroke her hair, and there were a couple of times he'd look at, it, he'd go, like, I love you, mom, <laughs> you know, he wanted to make sure that she saw him, and, and so everywhere she would go, he was right on her, I mean, he loved her, he was just like the whole time. And so one time she tried to stand up like she was gonna go out of the room. Ah! That's kind of what he did. He yelled and he screamed. And so she stood there. But that scream, that yell, that discomfort caused what? It caused the teachers and the teacher's aides and all of the others to move in. I'm sorry, honey, you can go. Um... <laughs> Um, All of the teacher's aides moved in and they did what they do, which is a right thing to do. They were like, you know, she's standing there and the little boy is like having a fit, mama, mama, because he doesn't care about any of that other stuff. He doesn't care about this. That's his love. That's his first love. That's all he wants. And so they come in and they bring him the biggest truck that they can find. It's got bells and it's got whistles and it's making noise and his eyes turn a little bit. That's interesting. You know, you can tell it starts to get him. And so then after he gets bored with that, they run and they get uh, crayons and coloring books and they lay them out on the table and they've got like every color of the rainbow, new crayons, not used ones. And uh, they're all out and he's drawing and they begin to go, oh my goodness, that is beautiful. Look at you, you have such a gift. Oh my goodness. And so they praised him for his gifts. And then after that was over, the camera watches, and they're like, come on over here, buddy. You get to be line leader today. You get to be line leader, and he just struts on over there, and all the kids fall in behind him. They positioned him, and the people fell in behind. Every time he would start to think about his mom or say anything about his mother, who was his entire focus when he walked in, they would start the song and dance again. They would start it again, get him distracted, pacify him. So in a very short period of time, he had been praised and he had been positioned and he had been pacified to the point that he no longer realized his great love was no longer in the room. And my concern sometimes is that we have been in the church. Of course, I'm not talking about Springhouse. In the church, we have begun to be masters of distraction. Masters of distraction. And can I tell you something? The enemy uses distraction far more often than he uses destruction. We'll say that again. He uses distraction far more often, far more readily, more easily. When something is destroyed, people notice. When something's distracted, nobody notices. But that's his goal, is that we don't notice, that we don't notice. And you know what happens is you walk in and, you know... (sighs) People will walk into a church and all they want, all they want is their father's arms. All they want is to know him, to to be in his presence. That's all they want. And they're met sometimes with smoke and mirrors and programs and this and that and this and all of the shiny things and all of these to overcompensate for a lack of actual presence. And so you, they come in and you recognize their gifts. You pay attention to their gifts, and then if they're doing something, then, oh, then you give them a position. And if they begin to ask questions, you pacify them with other answers. So by the end, somebody who came in really hungry for God and just wanted to experience his presence and just be with him, they are all of a sudden, without even realizing it's happened, they have been praised and they have been positioned and they have been pacified to the point that they do not recognize that his presence is not in the place, But see, the enemy's tactic, his thing is, see, there's this on the inside of each of us, Scripture tells us that uh, all creation groans. All creation groans for him. There's something in us. There's this deposit on the inside of us. Actually, Scripture says that eternity is written on the hearts of men. There's something on the inside of each and every one of us that yearns for their creator, Yearns for him Longs for him Needs him And when that's not being met What the enemy does Is he comes in and he fills it up With so much stuff So much of the small things So much of the distractions So much of the little things That it's buffered And it's small And you no longer pay attention To that voice on the inside of you The voice on the inside of you That would have initially prompted you to go Why do I not sense his presence anymore? Why am I doing everything they're telling me to do and I still feel empty? Or even more, what does the Bible actually say about this? The enemy wants to silence that because the word tells us, you know what the word says? It says that he arises at the groaning of his people. When we begin to yearn, when we begin to go after him, when we begin to get hungry for him again, when everything that's written on the inside of us is allowed to be released and to to yearn and to groan and to call out for him, don't you know that God arises? He arises at the groaning of his people. I know Pastor Kevin's heart, and I believe it's the the that has always been the heart of the the leadership and the pastorship here in this house. We want the presence of God. We want the presence of God because nothing else is gonna change us. Nothing else is going to uh, touch the eternal part of us and cause us to live differently and cause us to live a more full and complete life. We want the presence of God. Everything else is ancillary Everything else is just a blessing. Everything else is just uh, added an extra. And none of it means anything if he's not here. If he's not here. <sighs> many years ago, actually many years ago, Katie was about two, maybe two and a half. And Hal and I had to go out of town. So, it was the first time she had stayed with my mom. But We lived in Jackson, and mom lived in East Tennessee, God's country. And um, <laughs> I didn't feel like that growing up, trust me. <laughs> it was like, where's God? Um, well, he's over behind the barn. Um, <laughs> oh, anyway, let's get back to leaving my child. Um <laughs> uh, we dropped her off and, and she was gonna have to stay for three days and, uh, which like I said it was the first time and um, I hated leaving her I hated leaving her she was a child late, later in my life uh, the other boys were seven and ten when we had her and so she was just you know the baby and anyway the three days passed and I drove to meet my mom in Cookville to get Katie back because uh, I decided I did want her and um, <laughs> And I'm in the parking lot when my mom pulls in. And when she pulls in, I can see Katie in the back seat and in her car seat. And she's got everything spread out on there. I'm pretty sure there's some french fries and some toys and everything else. And as is Katie's way, she's singing and she's playing and she's having a good time. And as as a mom, my heart is so happy. I'm thinking, she hasn't missed me at all. Or she hasn't missed me at all. I'm not sure how I felt. But she's so happy and so content, and I can see as she passes. And then my mom parks the car, and everything's good. She's still playing. I can see her. I got out of my car, and I started walking toward her. And when she saw me, this look crossed her face like the most intense pain, like all of a sudden she remembered all of a sudden, she remembered, and she began to throw everything. She began to wail, and I could hear her outside the car, and, and she was just crying, and, and she was pushing, and she was pulling at the restraints of her car seat, and, and she was just yelling and, and just I mean, just a total, complete fall apart. And I can see this look on my mom's face like, oh, my Lord, you know. And so mama comes around the car and opens the door and starts trying to get Katie out. And all Katie's doing is hitting her hands and fighting her and yelling at her and no, 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 fighting because she didn't want anybody else's arms. She didn't want anybody else. She wanted me. And so when I get over there, she's still fighting. She's so upset. She's, she's angry at me, I think, in that moment for leaving her, but so relieved to finally see and to remember. She's like, oh, yes. Oh, I remember that. And it was so overwhelming to her. And so I'm getting her out of the car seat and she's holding on to me. And my mom the whole time is going, I promise she's not cried the whole time. She was with me. She said, we went here and I took her to the zoo and I took her to this and then I bought her this and I I made this for her. I even let her sleep with me. I promise she's been happy. But see, she had been distracted. Distracted from that that she loved the most. You loved me the most. (laughs) And you know what, guys? Sometimes we need to catch a glimpse in order to remember that love that we've forgotten. And my prayer would be that when you encounter his presence, that you would all of a sudden remember that eternity that has been written on your heart, and that you would begin to groan, and that you would begin to cry out, and that you would accept no arms except his. except his. Because just like she cleared the board, My mom was ducking and she's flinging things and throwing things and fighting at her restraints. Some of us need to get rid of some stuff and we need to fight at our restraints in order to get at the one that we truly love. We need to to make the effort, do the work, fight toward him. Love will clear a path. And see if you will begin to encounter when we begin to remember this great love. I don't know about you, man. But when I first fell in love with the Lord, when I first fell in love with him, the the scripture that we read in the beginning, it says to return to your first love. And then just like God, he doesn't tell us to do something and then not tell us how to do it. And it says, remember the heights "'Remember the heights from which you have fallen.'" I remember the heights. I remember the heights. I know what it feels like to be in his arms. I know what it feels like for him to speak to me in the middle of the night. I know what it feels like to stand in the altars with my arms raised and, and to feel this liquid love, this light just flood through me as forgiveness washes through me. I know what it feels like to lay in the middle of the night in a hospital room with a brand new baby and look at fingerprints and go, God, you are so faithful. You are are so faithful as his presence fills the room. You need to remember the heights. You need to remember those moments where he has met you, whether in heights or in depths. Remember the heights of relationship that you had with him. And then it says, once you have done that, once you remember where you were with him in comparison to where you might be at this point in time, it says, remember and repent Repent. God, I am so sorry. I let that fall through the cracks. I am so sorry, God. I got so busy that I forgot was what was important. And see, this doesn't say repentance as in going, oh God, I'm sorry. And then you just keep on going, being sorry. Scripture tells us that godly sorrow brings repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to death. You can be sorry all day long and still die in that sorrow. Godly sorrow, let me tell you what, guys, it brings life. And in that definition of life, it says it brings innocence. Innocence. When was the last time that you felt truly innocent, truly clean? Remember, repent. And then it tells us the final step return. Go and do those things you did in the beginning. What did you do in the beginning, in those times when you walked so closely and intimately with Him? What were your practices? What did you do? I was so completely captivated with Him. I wanted to know everything. I sang to him. I prayed too much. <laughs> I don't know that there is such a thing, but I'm pretty sure I did it. I, I, I kind of had this image in my mind of him going, oh, Barbie, come on. <laughs> Does she ever stop talking? And the, and the church said, no. <laughs> I lo- he was everything. He is everything to me. Everything else is bonus, but He is everything to me. Remember the heights. Repent. God, I'm sorry we lost this. I'm sorry I haven't pursued you in the same way. If I can get the worship team to come on out. And then go and do those things you did in the beginning. We are going to sing this song one more time. And what is in my spirit is that if you have been in that place of distraction, if you have been um, in those moments where you forgot, you've forgotten what it feels like to truly be in his presence, we've lost the worship team. I knew we shouldn't have left biscuits and coffee out. <laughs> We're going a <on> cappello. <laughs> you know what? Every once in a time uh, every once in a while it's good to test the fences. Not the offenses, the fences. Amazing. Yay. We're gonna get some elders, elders, wives. If you would come, we're gonna pray. The rest of us are gonna kind of sing and examine our hearts for a moment. Because if you desire to feel your life with the great and not the small, if you desire more capacity and to create room in your life, this kind of love, it does that. His love will do that. Will you stand with me? Father, I thank you that you are drawing and you are wooing and you are calling us to you, Father. And Father, that love that you have for us and that love that we have for you, Lord, is gonna clear the, the, the plate in the, the most perfect and beautiful way, Lord. I thank you that in you, Lord Jesus, there's always space. Father, I thank you that the moment that we look up, Lord, you lean in. And so, Father, we're asking as we look up that you lean in in this moment. And, Father, as those that step out today, Lord, I pray that they would see in your spirit, in their spirit, as you come running. Father, minister to your people today as only you can.